Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Unreleased track. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z as we reveal another unreleased track circa 1972 and a song called Rosalinda. Not to be confused with Rosalinda's Eyes, which will be our next episode. Or should it be confused? We'll find out. In 2011, Rosalinda was actually released on the Piano Man Legacy Edition as a live version performed in April 1972 during the legendary Sigma Sound Studios recording for WMMR Radio in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Although there is a studio version recorded in Los Angeles in 1972. Pretty much all we have to say about that. Christopher Bonanos has no rankings, but Glenn Gambo, it does. Because remember, he does have three additional songs. He uh, His listing is out of 124, and I suppose this is, I believe, we uh, have one more song of his that Christopher Bonanos did not do. And where do you think Glenn Gamboa puts Rosalinda, not Rosalinda's eyes, uh, out of 124 songs, Alan Altman? You know, lately, Glenn's been sticking stuff way at the bottom of the list. Uh, I'm going to say he puts this down there, too. So I'm going to say 115. You're you're completely correct. It's 110. (laughs) He says, Joel has called this song a lullaby I wrote for my mother. Well, Alon, you know how I feel about Billy Joel and his stupid lullabies. (laughs) That's all the guy likes to do. He writes one for his mother. He writes one for his daughter. I'm fed up. I can't take it anymore. I tell you, I can't take it. That's kind of funny because like you hate lullabies, especially Billy Joel's lullabies. And I feel like you also don't like these songs he writes about his mom. No, I do not. So and this is like even worse than lullaby for you, maybe. No, no, no. Lullaby is 10 times worse. This is very <laughs> beautiful. This is a very beautiful song. There's lots of piano playing. So there's no way I'm not going to like this song. I don't I don't love this song. I don't think anybody loves this song. Maybe a lot of people don't even know this song because they're thinking it's Rosalinda's eyes and you're, you know, just abbreviating the name or something. You're so cool. Just the way we call him. Hey, Billy, (laughs) (laughs) Billy Joel, which we all know what his actual name is. Now we know for sure this guy is Jewish because he's obsessed with his mother and (laughs) loves talking about her. So So he's obviously Jewish and Italian. (laughs) <laughs> because this is what Jewish and Italian boys do. We obsess over our mothers, but his kind of hatred for his mother 
and or whatever that is. And then, of course, also liking her at the same time is exactly the way I am, for sure. So that's more of a Jewish boy where Italian boys like Mike Vecchione, uh, Mike, like Mike Vecchione, you know, they they all talk about how they much they love their mothers, even if they're annoying. They, they never speak ill about them. Billy yeah. Joel and I do. Right. So for you, you're more of like a Laura Billy Joel era song about his mom. Rosalinda is more like a Mike Vecchione. He loves his mom. He's like, hey, this poor woman, she just wants to be loved. Everyone's gone away. It's it's a really sad song about his mom, but it's definitely from a place of love in this case. Is it? I felt yeah. completely different. Obviously, I've never heard this song before. And again, I, I really, I, I didn't, I, I loved it. And this, I just love that piano playing. It's very Summer Highland Falls-esque where the notes just keep on coming, you know, as he's singing. I mean, I don't even know how anybody, you can't even conceive of how anybody can play this and sing at the same time. <laughs> There's so many notes, you know, but I, to me, it just seems mean and nasty. I, I didn't get that feeling at all. Like, you know, why make a song about how depressed your mother is uh, about having an empty nest? It just sounds sad and sounds like now you're alone, you, you whore. That, that's what it sounded like to me. Yeah. See, this is what happens. All you have is just a cat and a silent telephone. <laughs> Isn't that mean? And you know what? I, when I first heard it, I thought he said, all you have now is a cat and a cell phone. And I'm like, wait a minute. I got to go back and hear what that said. <laughs> what year I, did I, he write this? <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I thought it was just like that. That year I said I was texting about that. We we're trying to get into Saturday Night Live in 84. And you're like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. My friend was texting the guy in 1984. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I hear the lyrics to pour some sugar on me, I always think he says red iPhone. Wait, which part? Because I know that song really well. And uh, a red iPhone. Uh, what, what is the line? I, well, I don't know what the actual line is. It's before oh. he uses the word video vamp. Oh. Or during that line, video vamp. I don't know the yeah, lyrics are... too well. Right. But I'm telling you, he says red iPhone. And that's from the 80s, baby. <laughs> and they still don't make red iPhones. They make other colors. But red has never come out by Apple. I had a red phone in my college dorm. We had a bad phone. Yeah. You had a red bat phone? Yep. We had a red phone, a red ringing phone. Uh, and when I moved here, I had a blue phone, like a regular standard landline phone. I liked having the, the colors. Was do, you remember, do you remember on Full House when DJ Tanner had that lips phone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I, you know, we used to have all, I think I had a hamburger phone and a football phone. <laughs> My sister had a princess phone. In her bedroom, of course. See, kids today don't understand this. That that was a big deal to have a really cool shaped phone when you were a kid. Yeah, and they worked horribly. You were better getting a, a regular adult phone <laughs> than the designer <laughs> ones because they worked horribly. <laughs> I think that this is a song coming from a place of love. He's saying that she's lonely and that people should understand her. I don't think he's putting her down in any way just because he's describing her situation as being depressing. Doesn't mean that he's trying to make her feel bad about it i disagree completely especially in the studio version when he cha when he has the different lyrics which are would you would you have yourself a time rosalinda would you dance too late you find yourself to find you no longer have a chance i mean yeah. how is that, that what an asshole that's so mean yeah i do like i like the live version lyrics better i yeah. really like that line all you want to do is love and to be loved in return 
versus the one about how he, she can't dance because she's an old maid. Yeah, it's so mean. She's probably only 49. <laughs> yeah. Like, so mean. That's the way I saw it. I, I mean, so certainly there are, I, I can see there's parts, you know, that are that are sad and, and meaningful. But for me, uh, I just read it. I'm like, God, this seems like he really hates his mom. That's the way I heard it. But of course, that's the way I feel about my mom. So <laughs> serves you right. <laughs> you should sing this song to your mom. <laughs> Just change the words. Hey, oh, Rhoda. Rhoda, <laughs> right. Well, I'll call it Rhoda Linda because his <laughs> mother's name wasn't Rosalinda, right? His mother's name is Rosalind. But again, this is him trying to become Italian. So he writes songs about her and puts a, an, a vowel at the end of her name to make her Rosalinda. Hey, Rhoda Linda, your Jewishness is annoying. Making us not eat bacon was not cool. (laughs) (laughs) You make your son drive to Jersey to take you to Passover, (laughs) even though your sister lives closer. Exactly. Thank you, Alon. Thank you for getting it. (laughs) (laughs) But it is funny that a a guy, I, you know, quote, rock and roller writes three songs about his mother. It's just, uh, in a way, how can you not love a guy like that? It's really terrific, actually. Yeah, it's like, I don't even know if we should talk about this now or in the next episode, because that's like our third song about his mom and really get into it. But who writes three songs about their mom? I don't think anyone's ever done that. Nobody in rock and roll. Never. (laughs) Maybe Harvey, Harvey Firestein uh, or uh, I don't know. Barry Manilow, maybe. I don't know. Right. Who, what rock and roller writes three songs about their mother? It is hilarious. But it's so funny that this song, hearing it for the first time, is so dark and it comes across right away at the very opening. And it's not the usual sad song, Good Time, like a pressure or Allentown or I don't want to be alone. You know, those very dark, depressing or sad, lonely songs. This is with that that pick you up and you're like, I love listening to this in the car and going for it. And uh, this is not that it is sad and lonely and depressing, but yet. Beautiful. Yes, it is a beautiful song. And like you said, the piano playing is great. It totally would have fit on Cold Spring Harbor, although he wrote it just after Cold Spring Harbor. But you can see that that was like kind of he was still in that mold of his career before maybe getting into the piano man stuff when he when he totally switched course. But can you imagine like hearing him play this live? It would be such a downer of a song as beautiful as it is. It just doesn't really fit as a live song. And, and when you look at the live stats on it, as you can imagine, there's only two plays listed. The one is the WMMR concert that we have on the Legacy Edition. And the other one, this is a really interesting concert. Uh, he played it in November 1973 at the Roxy Theater outside of Allentown, Pennsylvania. And we have audio from this concert. And uh, the story is fascinating, actually. It's, I went down a rabbit hole on this thing. So in this show in Allentown, Pennsylvania, he opened the show with Rosalinda. This was his opening number. He came out and he said, the band will be out in a little while. I'm going to warm up the pipes. This is an old song. Now, at this point, it was one year old. So this is an old song. It's not on any of the albums, but it's nice to do. And he plays it actually a lot slower than what you hear on WMMR or the studio version. It actually clocks in at almost four minutes long. He plays this, then he plays Souvenir, and then the band comes out. But 
the story of this concert is really crazy. There's this guy, Denny Somak, who is a radio DJ and producer. He was a he was working for WSAN in Allentown as a DJ. He was the first guy to play Cold Spring Harbor on the radio, and he was a huge Billy Joel fan. So he got him this gig at this local theater, the Roxy, near Allentown. And it was Billy Joel's first headline show ever. If you can imagine that. He was only an opening act before this. This is his very first headline show. And this guy, Denny, he has a podcast called The Rock Podcast with Denny Somak. And just two months ago, he had an episode where he described the story of this. And I don't want to give the whole thing away because maybe we could try to get him on here to tell this story because it's really amazing. Um, but the highlights are he calls Billy's agent and he says, uh, hey, I want to have Billy Joel come headline at this local theater. And the guy's like, well, Billy Joel's out of the business, but if we could track him down, we'll let you know. Because this is while he was playing at the executive room. Then a little bit of time passes. Piano Man had just come out and the guy calls him back. And he says, look, he's opening for the Beach Boys and for the Doobie Brothers right now. But if you want, there's one night, November 28th, when he's available and in the area and he could headline for you. This guy, Denny, said, I, I can pay him $500, but he's got to play two shows. And they said, OK, fine. So Billy played two shows for 500 bucks. And uh, Denny taped the whole thing on a little cassette Sony thing. So that's why he, and he just discovered this tape recently. 45 years later, he finds the tape in his archives. And that's why we have this recording, which is on YouTube now. Wow. And Billy had to play like a long headline set, but he was only with his band for three weeks. So the band didn't know a lot of the songs. So after 30 minutes, Billy Joel, this is on the recording. He like looks over to his manager on the side. He's like, how much time do we have left? The guy's like 15 minutes. So he's like, do we have 15 minutes of material left? <laughs> and then uh, some of the crowd calls out like Captain Jack. And he's like, no, I'm saving that for the end. So the crowd already was like into Captain Jack because this is in the Philly area. So of course, like that was the big thing there, you know? Right. And then he says, uh, do you guys know any songs from our old album, Cold Spring Harbor? And there's a huge cheer. And Billy Joel, like with full sincerity, goes, wow, that's weird. Wow. Because who knows Cold Spring Harbor? But this one little place near Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia, near Allentown is where like they're they actually were playing this stuff. And Billy Joel really had fans and he yeah. had never experienced this before this one concert. I like that. They said he was out of the business. Yeah, <laughs> it was already known throughout the music community. He was out of the business. And that's after Piano Man was released. Yes. They said he was out of the business before Piano Man came out. Then this guy got back in touch, I think, with the with his um, road booker. And now and this concert took place like a week after Piano Man came out. It was right when Piano Man was released. So at this point, he was back in the business. Wow. But here's the be best part of the story is when this guy, Denny, picked up Billy Joel from the radio station and took him to the venue. He drove around the back roads to get to the venue through different parts of Allentown that were past all the steel mills, Ooh. through Bethlehem, all these things. And this is why Billy Joel had this image in his mind of the steel mills and the depressing nature of Allentown. Right. He's from like, this. hey, I'm performing at this huge, my first headline and get what a dump. Right? <laughs> it's, it's the parking lot of a steel mill. Wow. Boy, that's some story. Yeah, so I, I think we got to try to get this guy on the rate on, on our show. I mean, he's got I, I think he's got a lot to say, and it sounds like he's a really big Billy Joel fan from the very first days. Clearly, I mean, you know, him and that and that story we told about the guy who got Piano Man played when they're like, oh, uh, we told him to go get his day job back. Uh, those guys are, you know, it's the, the record store owners and the DJs were very responsible for 
Billy Joel being a success. And that's how it used to work back then. The DJs and the record store owners. That's how it worked. Not just the fans. I mean, obviously, well, I mean, the fans came to WMMR because thanks to the DJs that said, no, this guy's terrific. Let's let's do something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so different than how the music industry is now. Like People so have different. to break themselves. They have to hope they're in the algorithm on Spotify. But DJs breaking music like this, that you're not going to hear a lot of stories like this anymore, really. No, nope, no, nope, never again. That's a really great story, though. Here's a couple of trivia things about this Denny guy, which I think you'll appreciate because you like these obscure things. So currently, Denny Somak writes and produces the Get the Let Out segment for Carol Miller. Oh, who, uh, we've been trying to get on the show. Q104.3. On Q104.3. Okay. And he produced the very first 30-minute music infomercial called Solid Gold Rock and Roll. Oh, my God. I, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he also produced the very first outside produced show on MTV, which was called The News That Rocked 81. Well, 1981 was a terrific year. And it's one we will look back on with some great memories. But we've got a lot to look forward to in 82, the debut album of Asia, former members of Yes. Paul McCartney will release a new album in 82, and there'll be that long-awaited third record from Boston. There'll be Steve Winwood's follow-up to Ark of a Diver, solo albums from various members of the Doobie Brothers, and I know there'll be a lot more in 1982. Could even be a better year than 81, but we will have to wait and see. Until then, I'm Mark Goodman. Wow. Yeah. No, I know all of that stuff. How do you like that? Yeah. So this guy, he's got a really cool career. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. I'm glad. Well, I, you know, that's what you want to hear is somebody who, you know, has still had a career in the music business after Billy Joel left them high and dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Billy's not returning his calls anymore, but at least he had other stuff going on. Uh, but you know what? I was thinking this, Rosalinda, that this is a good warm up song for your. You know, this, this, that's a it's a good song for him to play. I mean, now, you know, now he has others, you know, like an angry young man or something like that. But th this is a this is a good warm up song back then. Get your fingers all nimble the way he's playing and everything where, you know, it doesn't have to be as fast as angry young man or something. So this is a this is a good warm up song in general. But, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't do it at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it's a good warm, not just for the fingers, but for his vocals, too. I feel like the way he does that. Uh, like, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, but this could never happen again because it would be the worst opening of all time in a festive crowd. Right. And, and unlike a lot of other songs that we've done from this early period where we assume he probably played them a lot, I really don't think he ever really played this much at all because he was only an opening act back then. He only had to play probably for 20 minutes tops. He would be playing his, you know, whether from Cold Spring Harbor or from Piano Man, only at this rare like headline kind of gig where he had a stretch for material. Would he be like, oh, I better throw Rosalinda in there? Right, right. And he didn't have Rosalinda's eyes yet, which is probably why he probably would never play Rosalinda again, because, you know, people will be like they're thinking they're going to get Rosalinda's eyes and they're like, wait, what the hell is this? He should make them look into a suite, mix them together in some weird like seven minute long thing. I don't know. That would be kind of cool. We, we could just do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> it's stupid, but uh, it is a trivia question nonetheless. You know, this song is about an empty nest. 
I don't know whether you're familiar with the TV show Empty Nest, but it was a lot funnier than this song. <laughs> I used to watch it Saturday night on CBS. NBC, but you're close. NBC. <laughs> I did too, and I loved it, and it was really fun, and it was great. But how ironic is it that Billy Joel was in a movie with the lead actor from the TV series Empty Nest and Richard Mulligan? Did you know this? I didn't know that. Well, basically, I'm asking you, what is the name of the movie that the father in Empty Nest and Billy Joel combined their talents in? Is it Oliver and Company? It is. <laughs> you didn't even need the clues. <laughs> yes. Billy obviously plays that uh, Jack Russell Terrier, the Dodger, and Richard Mulligan plays the great Dane Einstein. Oh, yes, of course. Einstein, the classic character from Oliver Twist. Which, of course, is, yeah, yeah. Where did they get this guy from? Which is weird because Richard Mulligan had a dog in Empty Nest called Dreyfus. And oh, uh, Einstein, yeah. of course, is in Back to the Future. So there's a lot of dogs mixing, mixing and matching over there. But uh, also, Garth Brooks peer, appears in an episode of Empty Nest in 1991 because thanks to Billy Joel and the success of, Sha the success of Shameless, he was able to appear in a regular person's stuff that just has nothing to do with country music. Uh, yeah. You know? So in 1991, when his album Rope in the Wind came out with Shameless, he appears in an episode of Empty Nest. Wow. You really tied that all together. Well, that's what I do, Alon. That is what I do. And you brought me a lot of memories because I haven't thought about Empty Nest in a long time. And I was watching it as like an eight year old. So I had no idea. I don't even know what the phrase Empty Nest meant at that point in time. But I do remember there was a dog named Dreyfus. Life goes on, and so do we. Just how we do it is no mystery. Sometimes the answer can be hard to find. That's something I will never be. I'm always here for anything that you need. We share it all as life goes on. Yeah, it was a spinoff of Golden Girls. And I always liked Richard Mulligan from he was on a show in the 70s called Soap. And then he was in this amazing movie called SOB. And of course, uh, Dina or Diane, Diana Manoff, however you pronounce her name, was in Greece. And Christy McNichol, well, everybody had a crush on her back in the 70s, if you're my age. And uh, it was a good mix. And it was a fun show. Yeah. I got to rewatch that. That must be on Netflix, right? It's such a popular show. I'm no, sure I don't think it's on Netflix, but it's on, <laughs> you know, like whatever channel the Golden Girls are, maybe Lifetime or something like that. Yeah, something obscure good, like that. Well, that actor was really good. He was a good dad. You know, he was an interesting actor. Also, in the last episode, I remember the I don't know why I know this kind of shit. And I was already old, too. I mean, embarrassing for me to be around on a Saturday night watching it. But uh, <laughs> the last episode, uh, he says goodbye to the dog, uh, Dreyfus, but whatever his real name is, you know, like, and, and the dog says, oh, good night, Richard. <laughs> it talks. Yeah. <laughs> they have him as an actor instead, you know, he's just it's... playing the part of Dreyfus. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so it was like, good night, Rufus. You know, <laughs> good night, Richard. <laughs> I always remember that in the last episode. I love the gimmicks in final episodes of series. Yep. Me too.
See you around, Stanley. Yeah, take it easy, Rich. Do you have a trivia question for me? I do. And this is, again, going back to that Roxy concert. The opening act of that concert was this guy named Henry Gross. I don't know if you know who Henry Gross is, but he got paid 250 bucks for that show. Oh. He uh, was a one-hit wonder, but previously, before being a solo artist, he was the member of what 50s rock throwback band that performed at Woodstock? Sha-na-na. Yes, that is correct. Wow. <laughs> How about that? Look at us, the two of us today. We don't even need any hints. You you worded it the perfect way, though, so it was easy. But um, what's it, what's the one hit wonder song? He had a song called Shannon. I hardly know what to say. But maybe it's better that way. If Papa were here, I'm sure he'd tell her. It was a big hit in 1976. Oh. And it's about Carl Wilson from the Beach Boys. It's about Carl Wilson's dead dog. Oh God. What the it's it's not the it's not that Terry Jack season in the sun flip side to put the bone in, is it? <laughs> <laughs> put the bone in, she said at the store, because my doggy's been hit by a car. It's not that's that the, song. That's the flip side to Seasons in the Sun. I'm pretty sure we talked about that on a previous episode for some reason. We certainly did. I blocked it out of my mind, but now it's coming back again. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Everyone, everybody's good time. Everybody knew they were going to have a good time today talking about Rosalinda. <laughs> I think no one expected it, but I think this was a fun one. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, the song is just not fun. No, no. But it is a pretty song, and I'm glad that Billy did it. I'm glad that we have a few good recordings of it, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah. Well, folks, that was Rosalinda. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Do you agree with Dave or me? Dave thinks the song is mean. I think it's loving. Are you as fascinated as us at Billy's Oedipal Complex? Can you think of any other rockers who have three songs about their moms? And are you a big fan of the show Empty Nest? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Mom say that happiness is from magic rays of sunshine that come down when you're feeling blue. Oh, oh, oh Rosalinda, say goodnight. Now that the children have all grown, now that they've all gone away, now that you're sitting at your home without a word to say.
Thank you.